Welcome and thanks for listening to the Franklin Road Baptist Church podcast. Thank you for taking the time to listen. This podcast consists of the preaching and teaching from the pulpit of Franklin Road Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Our prayer is that what you hear from this podcast will bless and encourage your Christian life as you seek to follow Him. We strongly believe there is no substitute for being a part of a thriving local church. If you're in the Murfreesboro area, we'd love to have you join us any Sunday or Wednesday. But if you are enjoying this preaching from somewhere else, we want to encourage you to find a Bible preaching church where you can grow and enjoy the fellowship of other Christians. If you're listening to this podcast and have never accepted Christ as your Savior, we would love nothing more than to help show you how you can have your eternity settled and begin your relationship with God. Feel free to visit us in person or online at frbc.com for more information. Now let's see what God has for us from His Word today. Our movement. Um, We've entitled this series, Unmovable, and principles that apply to being a spiritual Christian in a carnal world. And the world is definitely getting more carnal each and every day. But in the passage that is before us in 1 Corinthians chapter number 3, Paul actually uses that word carnal. He actually talks about carnality, actually talks about it in the sense of a Christian. And so tonight, what I want to do is we'll have a brief introduction. We'll go through really five tests. And then if you'll hang on till the end, I want to give you a little bit of a visual illustration that can help you uh, kind of recognize this. Uh, I don't know where everyone else is at in their life, but it seems that the older that I get, the more uh, prevalent that doctor's appointments become. Can anyone else feel that? Um, And so uh, some of you, you're like, you know what? If I'm not at home, I'm at the doctor's office is the way that it feels like. And uh, now any little tickle that you have in your throat, you feel like you need to go and have your nose wiped with something or or something. I remember that within the first couple months when everything was kind of shutting down that um, I have bad springtime allergies. And so um, everyone was scared to death of everything. Everyone was uh, trying to stay six feet apart. And uh, so I I would go into a store and I would sneeze and everyone would just look at you like, are, are you are you okay? Or, or it almost was like that you were trying to kill them, like a sneeze and a gun kind of had the same uh, feeling. And so uh, some of you though, you feel like that you're kind of in that routine and for whatever reason right now for us as a family, It just seems like it's been doctor's appointment after doctor's appointment, either for a kid or for one of us. And one of the things that I've found is that you sometimes go to a doctor's office just to make sure you are still okay. And so, uh, yeah, I I don't stay behind the microphone very well. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, And so, anyway, sometimes you go and you just want to go and make sure that everything is okay. You're not feeling bad. You're not, uh, nothing's really bothering you yet. And so you are going just to make sure everything is okay. And sometimes you need to do the same thing in the Christian life. You know, sometimes we wait until there's something big to go and get it checked out. Sometimes we wait until we just can't go on anymore to go and have a checkup. And tonight what I want us to do is to just have a regular moment of evaluation of testing. Checking ourselves spiritually. Now, before we dive into this, I want to just explain just really quickly kind of my heart behind it. First of all, I think that tonight's uh, thought and some, some of what we're going to talk about tonight is a personal test, okay? The Christian life is a personal relationship that you have with God. And so many times we're quick to point out, well, this is what someone else is doing, or this is how someone else has drifted, or because of maybe someone else's actions, this now condones my actions. 
When the truth is, is that like the old saying says in regards to revival, that if we want to experience something fresh from God, we draw a circle on the ground, we stand in the circle, and we ask God to do something special in that circle. And so tonight is a personal test. But I would be lying if I said that it wasn't also something that can be, that can be used in your relationship with others. You see, so many times we as Christians, we can either become silos or we can become someone who doesn't really pay attention to others. And so tonight, I really feel like that there's two types of people that are going to hear what I'm about to say. The first are those who, you, who you're sitting here and you say, you know what, I need the spiritual checkup. I need the spiritual evaluation. And so I'm going to take it to heart personally. And there will be some of you that as we go through these tests and through these points, you'll step back and you'll say, you know what, I feel like I'm good on that. I feel like I passed that. Great. Pass it on to someone else. One of the things that has also started coming with more and more doctor's appointments is that I feel like that when we get together with groups of friends and other people, we talk about our doctor's appointments, okay? We talk about what hurts or, or oh, I got this help or, or I took this drug or I took this magic potion and it has helped me, okay? That's just part of kind of the aging process is that not only do you go to the doctor a lot, but when you get together, you talk about the doctor a lot, okay? And so for some of you, what we're going to talk about tonight is something that you can step back and that you can say, you know what? I feel like that spiritually I'm where God wants me to be, but I want to take these tests and pass them on to someone else. And so we're going to read 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. We're going to read the whole chapter. I hesitate to not apologize for that because I know that the attention span of the average human being is not very long. But I hope you'll read along with me and you'll look at these verses. We won't have the time to touch on every single thing in this passage, and it is so rich. So I would encourage you to go back and read it on your own. But 1 Corinthians chapter number 3 verse 1 says this, and I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. And so if you want a, if you want a snapshot of the Corinthian church, verse number one is about as clear of a snapshot as what you need. He says, I couldn't even speak spiritually to you because of how carnal you were. He says, I couldn't even say some of the stuff that maybe God wanted me to say because of your carnality. And so with that in mind, he continues verse number two. He says, I have fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. So you're a work in progress. Verse number three. For ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos? But ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase." So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. According to the grace of God which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed to how he buildeth thereupon. He says something very interesting there. 
He says, you can build on the right foundation, but you can build wrongly on the right foundation. Too many times we simply go back and we evaluate the foundation and we never evaluate how we're building. What you are building on is just as important as how you are building. And so he says that you need to take, take a heed to how you build. Verse number 11, for other foundation can no man lay that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. How many of you remember the song that you sang as a Sunday school or maybe in, as a kid in Sunday school about the wise man built his house upon the rock, right? Foolish man built his house upon what? The sand. He says in this passage, he says, you can try to build it on another foundation. You can try to build your life maybe on your finances or, or on your friendships, or you can try to build your, your life around other things other than Jesus Christ, but that is a faulty foundation and will eventually fail you. So then he continues, verse number 12. Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire." Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. Let no man deceive himself. If any among you seemeth to be wise in this world, let him become a fool that he may be wise. That's countercultural to our thinking, isn't it? Verse number 19. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, he taketh the wise in their own craftiness, and again the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise, that they are vain. Therefore, let no man glory in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or of the world or life or death or things present or things to come, all are yours, and ye are Christ, and Christ is God's. And so with that passage in mind, I know it was lengthy. Like I said, I would encourage you to maybe go back and uh, read through it. There's so much there that we aren't going to get to touch on tonight, but I hope that what we do touch on will be something you can take and play into your Christian life. And so let's pray and we'll ask the Lord to help us. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, you know my heart behind this, uh, this message, Lord. You know my heart behind this study. And God, I ask that you would help us to take this and apply it to our lives. Lord, I believe that the result of many Christian failures is because we do not regularly evaluate where we are in our spiritual life. And so before we know it, we have drifted into carnality. We do not naturally drift towards spirituality. And so, Lord, I ask that tonight you would take your word. Lord, you would fill me with your spirit. You would, say only, you would help me to say only that which you would have me to say. You would eliminate distractions and help your word to become abundantly clear to this church family that we love. In your name we pray. Amen. I mentioned that one of the uh, things that have, has become a little bit reoccurring in our life is it seems to be uh, doctor's visits. And so I was at one recently, and one of the things that they had me do that they wanted to kind of test is they said that they wanted to do a flexibility test. And as soon as they said it, I laughed and said, well, this will be short, okay? You might as well just go ahead. I don't know what your grading scale is, but if you want to do an F, that would be great for failure, or, or UF for unflexible, okay? Okay. Um, 
And so I remember that one of the things that the, they said was they said, all right, we need you to, to, to try to do something or like try to wrap your arms around you. And then the lady even said, she goes, I want you to see how close you can get to your toes. And I was like, ma'am, I have not touched my toes since probably seventh grade, okay? And so, uh, in fact, the other day after staff training, some of the uh, guys on our staff, they were, they were laughing at how I bend over and pick stuff up because I just, the flexibility is gone. I was one of the uh, junior hires and senior hires in sports that I would always brag about how I didn't stretch, and now it seems like I have to stretch to, to bend over and tie my shoes, okay? And so, anyways, one of the things that she said, she said, I want, you to, I want to test your flexibility. I want you to bend over and try to touch your toes. And I think I barely made my hands past my knees. I'm not going to demonstrate it for you so that you don't have to laugh, okay? And, and she kind of laughed when I tried it. And I, and I just looked at her. I said, ma'am, I'll just be honest with you. I am not a very movable or flexible being. And while the medical field looks and glorifies flexibility and movement, God has called us as Christians to be unmovable. God has called us as Christians to be steadfast. God has recognized something in his culture and in, and in his field and in the, in the spiritual realm to where he says, you know what, the world wants you to adapt, don't they? The world wants you to blend in and just kind of go with the flow and, and be movable and just kind of move with society and move with culture. But God has called us as Christians to be unmovable. And here's what I'm seeing as I look at the church, capital C, not specifically our church, but the church, capital C, worldwide, Christians worldwide, is this. Is that when times got tough, we were much more flexible or movable than what we thought we were. You see, sitting in this room probably in 2019 or 2018, if someone would have stood up and said, you know what, two years from now, there will be some of you who will be out of church, you'll have lost your family, you'll have lost maybe a marriage, you'll have lost this, you'll have, you'll have lost a job, you'll have lost this, you'll have gone through intense pressure, you'll have gone through maybe stress, maybe, maybe certain anxiety, maybe different depressions that you've faced. Someone would have said that, we would have all sat there and said, no. We would have been a lot like Peter when Jesus looked at him and said, Peter, before the cock crows three times, you'll deny me. And what did Peter say? Lord, you know I won't deny you. And for many Christians around the world and many churches around the world, if we could have flashed back to 2019 and someone could have prophetically said, it's going to get hard, it's going to get tough, and there will be some of you who don't stick with it, we would have all probably said, that's not going to be me. And yet when you look at the church worldwide and Christians worldwide, what we can see is that we were pretty movable over the last two years. Wouldn't it be great, though, if there was something in God's Word that would give us an opportunity to check up on ourselves? Yeah, you're in church tonight, and you might have your family in church tonight, and you might be here on Sunday morning, and you might have handed out a couple of tracts, but those, your Christian life over the past week does not guarantee that your faithfulness will be still surviving, that you'll still be following God, that you'll still be standing up for Him when times get difficult. And so what we have before us tonight are simply a couple of tests to just see how movable we are or to see how unmovable we are. The first test that I want you to see is this. I want you to notice the food test. Now, that's not what you think it is for those of you who are hungry, okay? The food test. I want you to look at verse number one. He says, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, 
even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. For ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? The food test is this. I'm going to give you a couple of questions under each one of these. The food test is this. What are people feeding you? What are people feeding you? It's a sad day in American society when Christians who should be hungry for the truth, we actually have to soften it. We actually have to dial it back because Christians of all people can't handle the truth. And here's what Paul is saying when he writes to this immature, carnal church. He says, you know what? I wanted to give you some meat, but I couldn't because you weren't there yet. He says, I, want, I wanted to help you. I wanted to, I wanted to be able to talk spiritually to you. I wanted to roll in and be this great theological evangelist, but I couldn't. I had to stick with the milk because you weren't ready for the meat. And sadly, many Christians today, here's where we're at spiritually on this scale, okay? Is that yes, we have made the church and Christianity to survive on milk. But sadly, we've also made it to where not many Christians can handle meat. And if you want a gauge of where you're at and whether or not you'll be movable when times get tough, look at what people are feeding you. Look at what people are trying to cram down your throat. If you're showing up and, and you show up to church and maybe all you can handle is just a little bit of milk, then don't expect to be unmovable. Don't expect to have some super fulfilling Christian life because all you've consumed yourself with is the milk. So what are people feeding you? But then secondly, what are you consuming? What are you consuming? You want to know what's one of my favorite things to do as a family when we get together and maybe we read the Bible or I come home and sometimes my wife says, hey, Pastor Joel, um, you should know the answer to this. And she'll ask me some deep question and I'm like, I, I, I'm done studying for the day. Like I didn't want to come home and have to think like that again. But I'm thankful that I have a family and that I have, have a wife who wants to study on some meat. And guess what? Sometimes that means someone's going to have to help them along. The other night, my son, we were laying in bed, and he said, Dad, who created God? Let's pray. Let's, you know what? Now seems like a good time for bedtime, right? And if you're not careful, you will run from meat and consume the milk. And guess what? A Christian who is surviving on milk is going to be pretty movable. They're going to go with the, they're going to go with whatever whoever tells them something. Well, this person, they said something really cool and they put it on social media and they put it in this cool little flowery box and there was a coffee cup beside of it. And so you know it's the truth. No. That's not how life works. That's milk. That's not what's going to sustain you when times get hard. So what are people feeding you? What are you consuming? And then the last thing is this, and we're not going to delve into it. We all understand the science behind it. But what are you producing? And I want to show this to you straight out of verse number 2. Or verse number 3. He says, For ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal? I want you to listen to this. 
A diet that is consumed with milk will have milk problems. A Christian life that is consumed with carnality will have carnal problems. You produce what you are consuming. Which means this, if you are consuming carnality enough, you're going to have carnal problems. You're going to have envyings and strife, and you're going to have divisions according to this. And here's what Paul is saying when he writes to this church. He says, you think you're spiritual, but you're not. He says, you think you're ready for meat, but you're not. And here's why I know, because what you are producing is not from a diet of meat. It's not from a diet of spirituality. It's from a diet of carnality. And if what you are producing in the Christian life looks a lot more like carnality than spirituality, then I can promise you that you're not ready for meat. But then I want us to, want us to notice the second test, and we'll fly through the rest of these. Not only is there the food test, but secondly, there's the following test. The following test. I want you to listen to this statement. Christians who are movable that can't handle meat will eventually find a man to follow. I'm going to repeat it because I want you to catch that. It's straight out of the passage. Christians who are movable that can't handle meat will eventually find a man to follow. Meaning this. You want to look at what shifted or what changed in your life over the last year, last two years, last year and a half, last three years? Look at who you were following. And many times what we are guilty of doing is we're guilty of saying this, well, I can't handle the meat, so I'm going to go and find a man. And that was causing a problem in this church at Corinth. Paul writes back to them and he says, I couldn't give you the meat. I couldn't give you what you needed. And so what you've chosen to do is you've chosen to say, well, I'm of Paul and I'm of Apollos and, and I'm following this person and I'm following this person. And that is a test. That is a sign of your carnality. When you need to follow someone other than Christ, that is a sign of your carnality. And let me just flip the coin to the other side, okay? If there is someone that is more obsessed with getting you to follow them than to follow Christ, that's a sign of their insecurity. Because here's what they're saying. God's not good enough. You need me. Don't, 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 don't follow Christ. Follow me. I know the age-old excuse we run to, Paul, who said, follow me as I follow Christ. But might I add that Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ, not get you to follow me. And if we live this life constantly having to chase, well, well, this person's got the bigger following and this person's way cooler and this person tells me what I want to hear, what if that wasn't what Christ wanted you to have at all? What, what if Christ wanted you to follow him lock, stock, and barrel and that meant that maybe someone had to look you in the eye and tell you the truth, not pander to what you wanted to hear? He says, you're, you're getting split up. You're getting all this figured out. You're getting divided. You're getting envious because some say that they're of Paul and some say that they're of Apollos. And he says, God's the one who gave the increase. Any man that you're following should be reflecting to God. Any person that you're following after should be reflecting glory to God, not glory to themselves. And we as human beings and as Christians, we want the glamour. We want the glitz. We want someone that we can follow after. And Jesus says, I want you to follow me. 
And the reason why we can't follow Christ is because we've become too carnal. We need a man to be the go-between. Guess what? Christ came to die so that we wouldn't have a high priest. One of the things that I tell my, my class all the time is I say this, if Joel Norse walks away tomorrow, if Joel Norse passes away tomorrow, you should still follow Christ. You should still love the church. I am replaceable, but Christ is not. My goal is not to stand in front of you and to get you to look at me. If I have done that, I have shortchanged you. Because you are the one who is going to falter and fail when I'm out of the picture. But if, you, if your eyes are on Christ, and if you're looking through me to that cross, which is why we stand in front of you, in front of the cross, I don't want you to look at Joel Norris. I want you to look at Jesus Christ because he will never fail you. He will never forsake you. He will never leave you. He will never let you down. And when we can't handle meat, we find a man. When we, can't, when we can't figure out how to follow Christ on our own, well, I guess I'll just go follow who's the closest one. And we get let down after let down, after failure, after problem. Well, what do we do if they're not there? Someone can't, I can't come alongside you and hold your hand and make you read your Bible. I can't come alongside you and hold your hand every single time there's something difficult going on in your life. But you know who can? The, the good shepherd. The Lord. The one who is omnipresent. The one who is omniscient. And so step back and not only check and test yourself on, who, on your food, on test yourself on who you're following, but then notice thirdly, the foundation test. The foundation test. He says in verse number 9, he says, for, your, for we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed to how he buildeth. For other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. My son, he had these uh, multicolored blocks when he was a, a kid. I actually think that someone just gave them to us, and they ended up being one of his favorite toys and so, I mean, he would just learn to talk, and we had, we had put some uh, hardwood floors, and so he was always wanting to build something tall, and, and then you'd walk into the other room, and you'd hear, and it was loud on those hardwood floors. And so one of the things that he and I got to start doing is that he's kind of OCD like me, and so we, we probably drive each other crazy. And so one of the things that we would start doing is that I would try to teach him, and I would say, okay, I said, every good building starts with, and I would say, a sturdy foundation. And so towards the end, like once he got a little bit older and once he would talk, which any, if any of you have ever seen Braxton's old videos, he, he was real nasally. And so I would say, I would say, all right, every good building starts with a dirty foundation. And so he would say it real nasally and, and kind of all messed up. And so we would start and I would always put the big blocks at the bottom. But you know what? It, wasn't, it didn't matter how many big blocks we put at the bottom. The truth was, is that building that we built up out of blocks was just one little knock away from falling, wasn't it? Because the foundation didn't go deep. Anything that goes up, that stands the test of time, must also go deep. The greatest and biggest trees have the deepest and largest root systems. Why? Because for them to go up, they must go deep. The tallest buildings, for them to go up, they must dig down deep. Why? Because there's a foundation that must be built upon. And for many of us, here's what we want in the Christian life. 
We want the big, tall, high-rise Christianity without the deep work of putting roots down deep and putting a deep foundation. And Paul, when he writes to these people, he says, look, you can try to build on another foundation, but it will fail. There have been kingdoms that have crumbled because of faulty foundations. There have been homes that have crumbled because of faulty foundations. There have been families that have been torn apart because of faulty foundations. And if you are going to be unmovable in a constantly moving society, you must go deep before you go tall. You must do the deep work before you do the big work. And so I want you to notice this, these two questions. First of all is this, what are you building on? And then secondly, how are you building? You say, I don't know how to gauge my foundation. I don't know how to do it. What are you building on and how are you building? How many of you ever heard the phrase, good enough for who it's for? Okay. Sometimes we catch ourselves, obviously just our staff, okay? I felt like those are the only people that I saw raise their hand. Some of the times as a staff, we'll be doing something and someone will, will kind of get to the end and it's kind of like, okay, well, how much do we want to tweak it? How much do we want to stay in here? And we'll say, good enough for who it's for. And then there's normally one always kind of smart aleck, overly Holy Spirit-filled person in the, in the room that's like, well, it's for God, so let's fix it. And it's like, oh yeah, you would say that, all right? But you say, good enough for who it's for. Did you know that the building of your life is for God? And too many Christians, we just kind of assume, well, I'm building it for myself, so good enough for who it's for. No, Paul says, I want you to take heed to how you build. You can build on the right foundation and still have a pretty janky look to it, can't you? You can build something on a good foundation and step back and think, whoa, that's not really great. And the Christian life is not just about building on the right foundation, it's also about building right. So the food test, the following test, the foundation test, and then notice fourthly is the fire test. The fire test. He says, now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. When put under fire, many Christians' lives look more like a magic trick than a sacrifice. Well, it was there. When put under fire, many Christians' lives look more like a magic trick than a sacrifice. Can I talk to you for just one minute about something that I feel like the that is so where we're at as a society. So many times what we hear as a church is this. Well, what God asks of me is just too great. Well, well, well serving in the bus ministry is just too big of a time commitment. Well, well being a soul winner is just too scary. Doing the, giving to the Lord is just too much to ask. You will make a sacrifice in one way or the other. Matthew chapter number six talks about this. It says, no man can serve God and mammon. Basically saying this, you can't stay neutral in this life. And here's what we're seeing. Here's what the church and Christians are beginning to do. We're okay with giving our gold, our precious stones to our job, 
We're okay with giving our gold to everything else along the way, and we're perfectly okay with the altar of God's work getting our wood, hay, and stubble. Because you're going to sacrifice one way or the other. You're, go you're going to make a sacrifice to succeed and do what you want to in this life. And there will be many of you that your gold, hay, and stubble will be left in everything that you've invested in down here. And when you stand before God, your wood, hay, and stubble will be all that you have to present to him. The wise men didn't bring junk. They brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh because it would last for eternity. And too many times what we are good at is we are good at sacrificing for everything except God. We're good at giving our best to everything except God. We're good at doing everything that is expected and even more and making great sacrifices for everything except God. And so don't be surprised when you're put under fire if your Christian life is because you have made no spiritual investment in it. So the fire test, and then lastly is this, and then I'll show you something, is the foolishness test. The foolishness test. He says in verse number 18, Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world, let him become a fool that he may be wise. I want you to look at verse number 19. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, he taketh the wise in their own craftiness. What are you wise about? What are you smart about? It's a sad day when many Christians spend more time developing talking points about their finances, about their retirement, about their job, about politics, about you name it. And yet something spiritual comes up and says, well, that's just, that's just not really my thing. It's just not really my wheelhouse. You know, that's kind of more Pastor Norris's thing. Or, or I would really strongly encourage you to go and talk to my pastor. He has all the answers. What if we as Christians begin to recognize that we can be smart about a lot of things, and if it's not God, then we're not smart about anything, according to Scripture? What are you wise about? What's your thing? Some of you, you'll, you'll wake up and you'll spend hours on social media, or you'll spend hours combing through the comments on something, or you'll spend hours kind of coming up with something that, so that if the guys down at work or if the ladies that you spend time with or if someone you see at the coffee shop brings it up, you'll be able to say, this is what I believe, blah, 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 blah. and yet when the, all of a sudden, it's almost like this, the Philippian jailer says, sir, what must I do to be saved? Uh, you probably need to go and talk to Pastor Norse. Because we have become foolish at what doesn't matter to God and wise about what matters to the world. I want to show you something as I begin to kind of contemplate this passage, if you guys can get that bored. Um, as I begin to kind of think through this, I wanted to find a way to where we could see it. And I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a graph chart nerd, okay? And, and so I have some weird, weird uh, drawings and charts and stuff so that I can visualize it because I always assume that if I can visualize it that it will help. And so they're going to put this up on the stage for us. 
And what you have here is almost someone, it's life, okay? And you have birth on one end and death on the other end. I think they're going to try to get this up on the screen. I got to pull this off and get this marker, okay? So you've got birth over here on this end, and you've got death over here. So this is your life, okay? And you've got the spiritual up here and the carnal down here. And here's the way that many Christians live their lives. They live it so close to that carnal line that one little thing happens and they're there. They've begun to drift, okay? They, they find that, yeah, I'm spiritual, I'm showing up to church, I, I'm doing something, I, I'm, I'm serving, but I, I find someone to, to follow on Instagram. I find someone to follow on Facebook. And for $49.99, they told me that they would tell me God's will for my life. And God's will for my life is that I'm supposed to be happy. They, they said that in their, in their bio, they said they're a pastor. They said they're a Christian. They even did this, the webinar at a church. And they told me that I'm supposed to be happy. And so now all of a sudden, we've started following someone other than Christ and we've started this drift into carnality. And what God has called us to is this. God has called us to a Christian life that as either death begins to come closer or His return begins to come closer, our Christian life should be climbing. So that when something like COVID-19 comes and all of a sudden we can watch church online, that's not this huge dip into, well, maybe I just don't need church. I mean, we went a month and a half without it. Maybe, maybe you know what? You know what? I can sustain on the milk. All those different tests that we talked about should be able to show you, am I up here or am I down here? And you know what? There are unsaved people that they're living this, they've experienced this carnal life. And unfortunately, instead of seeing Christians who are up here, who are attractive, that they say, I want something like that. I want something that's different. I'm not finding contentment down here. Too many Christians are hovering right around this line. We don't look any different than someone who's down here. And it's because we have failed to regularly evaluate, am I living in spiritual light or am I living in carnal darkness? A am I someone who is experiencing a steady rise in my spiritual life? Or do I just have this unstable flow of spiritual carnal, spiritual carnal, spiritual carnal? All it takes is, is one little failure and all of a sudden I've dipped back into carnality. I'm, I'm still living right here on milk. I'm showing up every single Sunday and I'm getting milk and, I and I'm getting just a little bit but then all of a sudden, oh, there's a new show out, so I'm going to dip back down into here. We seek so much fulfillment in the things of this world that we fail to realize that our fulfillment as Christians is found in the way that God has intended it to be lived. And so what do we often do? Man, you know what? I showed up to church and I just, I just didn't get anything out of it. Because you're living on milk. 
So you're going to go look for some meat somewhere. Our little girl is seven months old, and she's, she's getting to that stage. Blakely's getting to that stage to where everything that passes to our mouth, she's got a little bit of interest in, to, in it. Okay? So like we get a bite, and I'm pulling into my mouth, and Blakely's got her head turned up and kind of grabbing at it. Why? She, she's needing something a little bit more fulfilling. And many Christians, here's what we do. We come to church, we live the Christian life, and we live on milk, and the world brings a bite of something by us, and we're like, whoa, whoa, whoa okay. I'm going to chase after that. Maybe my, maybe my fulfillment is outside my marriage. Maybe my, maybe, maybe my fulfillment is in my finances. Maybe my fulfillment is in something other than Christ. And so, so if, they, if I'm just kind of living on milk, then I'm going to go and search for something a little bit more fulfilling. And we go and we search for it in carnality rather than in spirituality. We go and search for it in the fake meat of the world, the impossible burger of the world, okay, if you will. We go and search for it down here rather than just becoming a Christian who says, you know what, rather than just trying to trick myself into the meat of this world, I am going to learn to become a meat-eating Christian. Rather than trying to find my fulfillment in who I'm following, I'm just going to choose to follow Christ. Rather than trying to find my fulfillment and how big of a life I can build and how big of a house I can build and how big of a nice of a car I can have, rather than trying to find my fulfillment in all of those things, I'm going to come up here and I'm going to find my fulfillment in Christ. I'm going to build upon a sturdy foundation. I'm going to do it in the right way. I'm going to, I'm going to serve God. Anything that God gives to me, I'm going to give it back because I know that I'm a steward and I'm not an owner. That's what spiritual people do. Carnal people look back and they say, well, it's just for me to build my nest egg. It's just for, for me to be able to supply my family. It's just for, going to be for me to do this, for me to be able to have some fun on the weekends. Carnal people step back and they say, no, this is an opportunity for me to give to the Lord. Spiritual people step back and they say, what can I do today that's going to last far beyond me? What can I do that's going to last for eternity? What's going to, what can I do that when I stand before God, I have gold, silver, and precious stones to give to him, not wood, hay, and stubble? Carnal people step down here and say, where can I put my gold? Where can my gold serve me? Where can I make a sacrifice? And the foolishness test is this. Many times we step back and we say, well, I need to be really smart about all this stuff or I'm never going to be successful. And many of you are wiser in your carnality than you are in your spirituality. Many times we've gotten good at fitting in with carnality more than we've gotten good with fitting in in spirituality. You ever been around someone that is maybe a Christian and they say an off-color joke and you can kind of maybe read the room a little bit? And sometimes what we're good at doing is we're thinking, well, they said it, so I, I, I guess I got to laugh. That's carnality not spirituality. Spirituality looks at that and they say, you know what, that's not, that's not something that should come out of the words of a Christian, the mouth of a Christian. I want to give you four don'ts before we close with this, with this in mind. The first one is this. Don't go without regular evaluation. These are on the screen for you. Don't go without regular evaluation. When you look at this little continuum here, okay? Too many times what you see in the Christian life is this. You see a slow drift. And because we don't regularly evaluate before we know it, 
we're full-blown experiencing the carnality of this world because we never stop to say, am I, am I spiritual? Am I enjoying the spiritual things more than the carnal things? So don't go without regular evaluation, but then secondly, don't expect spiritual results from a carnal life. Sometimes we want to live in carnality, but we want spiritual blessings. You can't have a carnal marriage relationship and expect spiritual blessings. You can't have a carnal, maybe, family. You can't, have, you can't consume carnality and expect to breed and produce spirituality. That's not how the Christian life works. So don't expect spiritual blessings from a life that is filled with carnality. But then thirdly, don't spiritualize your carnality. Sometimes what we're really good at doing is we live down here, we live in carnality, which by the way, when I showed this to Justin Pearson, I said, is this, is this biblical, is this accurate? And at first I had spirituality and carnality flipped. I had spirituality on the, on the bottom. He goes, well, we're singing higher ground tonight. So he's like, you, he's like, that probably needs to be on the top. I was like, yeah, that probably, that makes more sense, all right? But we want to live down here in carnality, and then what we want to do is, well, you know, I'm going to gossip, but I'm just letting them know the facts. I just, I just want to make them aware of it, so that way in case if they're ever encountered with it, you know, that way they're aware. No, you spiritualized your carnality. Some of the most spiritual people in the room are the most quiet people in the room. It's a carnal person who tells everything that he knows, doesn't validate the truth, spreads envy, spreads gossip, spreads division. The Bible says, mark them which cause division among you and have no fellowship with them. Okay? But here's what we've gotten good at. Rather than just being a Christian who isn't divisive, we've gotten good at spiritualizing our divisiveness. Well, I just feel like that they need to know. Well, you know what? Let, let me go and maybe, maybe let me go and say, well, can, is there anything that I can pray with you about? No, that's called being a busy, busybody. Okay? Bible talks about that. 1 Thessalonians 4 says, study to be quiet. Maybe that's one that we can learn. Okay? Too many times what we are good at as Christians is we're bad at becoming spiritual and good at spiritualizing our carnality. And my challenge to you tonight from Scripture, from Paul, is this. Rather than learning how to become a Christian fake, why don't we just learn how to follow Christ? Why don't we just learn to be spiritual? Why don't we just learn to consume the right things in our food? Why don't we just learn to follow Christ above anything else? Why don't we just learn to build on a good foundation? Why don't we just begin to sacrifice and invest in something that will last for eternity? Why don't we just be, learn to begin to be foolish about what God says to be foolish about and be wise about what God says to be wise about? And then the last thing is this, is don't become hypocritical in your spirituality. Don't become hypocritical in your spirituality. The truth is, is the Pharisees were spiritual by appearance, but they were not spiritual in actuality. And sometimes as Christians, we're really in one of two fields. We're carnal and we want to appear to be spiritual, or we're so spiritual that we can't even have an impact and let, let God who sees the heart use us. This is not a graph or a chart so that you can get up here and you can become so high-minded that you are of no earthly good. 
Okay? First John chapter number one, we've already talked about it in our Sunday morning series. It says that light and darkness cannot have fellowship. And you want to know the way that many Christians look at that? Well, as a light, I'm going to separate from darkness. No, here's what you do. You be a light and you pierce the darkness. You punch a hole in the darkness. You don't become spiritual so that you can be removed from carnality. You become spiritual so that you can impact carnality. And so many times we miss that. We, I, I begin to recognize that we as human beings are really good at ditch jumping. You know what that is? We fall in one ditch and we stand up like a crazy person and we go and we jump in the other one. Well, this was too extreme, so I'm going to go and get in this extreme ditch. And sometimes what we're guilty of doing is, oh, I'm so carnal, I just need to become so spiritual, and now all of a sudden the guys down at work, they're like, dude, this guy won't even talk to us. He's not even going to share the gospel with us. He's not even going to tell us if there's anything that we should be doing differently. It's because your spirituality has become pharisaical and hypocritical rather than something that God can use to pierce the carnality of this world. I want to close with one more recognition in this is this. 1 Corinthians teaches us that a carnal person, an unsaved person, a natural man is the word that it uses, cannot cross into the spiritual. But as Christians, the spiritual can cross into the carnal. You say, well, I just, I just wonder if maybe all my friends who live down at, or down at work, they, you know what, they seem to be pretty moral. They voted like I voted. They talk like I talk. They live like I live. And so maybe they are spiritual. And here's what you need to make very sure of. Carnal cannot cross into spiritual, but spiritual can cross into carnal. Paul's writing to Christians in the church. And he says, I could not speak spiritually to you because you were carnal. And here's my call tonight is this. It may very well be that you step back and you look at those five tests and you say, you know what? I'm consuming what God wants me to consume and I'm producing what God would have me to produce. It might, you might step back and you might look and you say, you know what? I am following Christ with all my heart, soul, and mind. I love the Lord. This is who my eyes are on. And so you've passed the following test. You've passed the foundation test. You've passed the fire test. You've passed the foolishness test. Then take that and let it be an evaluation that you return to often. Too many times we teeter so close to that line when what God would have us to experience in this Christian life, as Jesus says in John chapter number 14, he says that you may have life and have it more abundantly. The carnal life doesn't promise abundance. The spiritual life promises abundance. And if you teeter on that line, bouncing back between carnality and spirituality, you will have an unfulfilled Christian life. But if you can find a way to have experience that steady climb, ever increasing in the spiritual realm. I promise you that the Christian life will not only be fulfilling and abundant, but it will also be impactful. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'll pray and then I'll turn it over for the invitation to be led, however. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity you've given us to look into your word. Lord, I'm thankful that you are a God who is willing to confront our carnality. Lord, your grace and your mercy and your wisdom could have easily left us in our sin, but that would not have been what was best for us. 